I don't know if you all sense the movement of God's spirit. I just seen a big demon leave. <laughs> I'm sitting there and I seen this huge demon hovering over me. I've been on a satanic attack all week long. I just didn't tell anybody. But I know that it's gone. <laughs> I know it's gone. You all don't realize the anointing of God in this place right now. It is awesome. And I'm going to tell you, the children brought it in. The children brought it in sitting here. They brought in the anointing. The Bible said that God inhabit the praises of his people and that children, children brings in the anointing. God said that children brings in the anointing. That's why it's so important that when they're young like Michael, let them shout amen and hallelujah. Let them dance in the streets. Let them praise God with all they got. Amen. amen. Let them worship Jesus because Jesus loves children. You hear me? Jesus loves children. And so babies, I thank God for you. And to God be the glory. That song is powerful. The Spirit of God is flowing in this praise. And to God be the glory. Keep singing, but a little bit lower. It's moments like this that no devil in hell can hold you down. God said, not by my power, nor by my might, said the Lord. He said, but by my spirit. The Holy Ghost is in this place. Yeah, he came in us, but he is here to proclaim the victory in Jesus' name. And children today, children have the victory of Jesus. And that's why we need to keep them in church. That's why we need to keep them in the word of God. Teach them how to pray. Teach them how to praise with fervent worship, fervent prayers, and fervent praises. Give God the glory. Amen. Amen. Don't be bashful. If they're up there going to sleep, wake them up. And tell them to praise God. Praise the Lord God because he's in his house. Amen. Amen. The Lord is in his house. Y'all sung so beautiful today to the Lord. Don't you ever let the devil tell you you're tired and you can't sing. <laughs> to God be the glory. You don't go anywhere. <laughs> you give me the instrumental part.
Let me tell you, Jesus is awesome. Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. Do you understand what that means? That means that what does Lord mean to you? When you hear the word Lord, what do you think about? What what goes through your mind? You have to understand that when Jesus Christ, whether he shows up to a place or not, everything in that place know that he's the owner. Are you understanding me? That's why hell shook when Jesus walked in. Because they know this just wasn't another spirit coming in the gates of hell. This was their creator. This was their master. This was their one that controlled them. And when he walked in, it was a different story. That's why Satan, that's why the grave, you know, grave, death is a living spirit. You know that, right? And that's why Hades, Hades is a real spirit. That's why when Jesus walked in, they knew things were going to be the same. Because Jesus, by way of God, is the same God of heaven. He's the same God of hell. We don't like to think of that. God owns hell. And you really think those demons are going to control Jesus? No. No. Now what we're about to hear today, in a few minutes from the Lord Jesus Christ, a son of God who bought by the blood of Jesus is about to go into the gates of hell. Let me tell you, Ephesus is not like Athens. Boy, he stepped in the middle of all those idols in Athens. But the difference was, he didn't have to really fight demon spirits in Athens the way he's going to have to fight in the spirit in Ephesus. In Ephesus, they are coming after him. Just like they come after you and me. And a lot of times we're ignorant of it because we're not walking in the spirit. We're walking in the flesh. We're, we're not really understanding. Uh, oh, that's just him talking bad. Uh, that situation just happened. No, you got to understand. Spirit send things after you. And the people of Ephesus, they was deeply involved in witchcraft. And let me tell you, when some of their fellow demon worshipers got saved, they got angry at them. They got angry to the point that they were praying for demon spirits to go after those Christians. And they did. And so today, we're going to jump between the book of Acts and the book of Ephesians. And you're going to see why Paul tells us over in the book of Ephesians later, as he write this letter to this church, that we don't fight against flesh and blood. But yet there's a real battle going on. You don't know why your body's swelling. You don't know why your truck breaks down. Stop. Freeze. Back up. Turn my phone off, please. And understand this. God knows what's going on. The Holy Spirit knows what's going on. And you're never going to see anything like this. This was the first time that the church get instructions on how to fight demon spirits. 
Because it's a real war, people. And you need to teach your children, yes, your little ones, that it is a real war going on all the time. And Paul calls it in the heavenlies. Right above us is a place where demons reside. And they operate, they do their work down here. They operate between heaven and earth, known as the second heaven. That's where their base is. And they, Paul calls Satan the prince of the airways. So everything that you put out there, guess what going to happen to it? He hears it. That's why your prayers, listen to me carefully. That's why your prayers are protected by the Holy Ghost. Do you hear me? Or did that just go over your head? Because there's a real battle. And the Holy Spirit takes what you are praying and puts it in a conduit that the enemy can't interrupt this communication. It goes straight to the heart of God in heaven. There's no interruption. Are you hearing me? So Ephesus, when you read this, this is not just a reading. You're about to look into the life of a real culture. You're about to look at a, a man of God stepping into a place where there are real demons at battles against humans to destroy human life. Uh-oh. For the sole purpose to keep these humans from knowing the one true God and his son Jesus. So when they heard that the gospel was coming to Ephesus, listen to me everybody. When they heard that the gospel was coming to Ephesus, they picked up their attacks. They increased their attacks. They fortified their stronghold. That means they made them stronger so that people wouldn't hear the gospel. But they didn't know how much power Jesus has. You hear me? They didn't know how much power that's in the blood of Jesus. About to see. So every head bow. I want you to understand. We're up against real enemies. But you can't put your finger on him. You can't shoot him with your pistol, Mr. David. But you can shoot him with the word of God. You can knock them down with the word of God and you can't incapacitate them with the name of Jesus. You can make their powers useless. Are you hearing me? Every head bow now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you. Lord, as you proclaim the victory in your word, as you shot it from the rooftop, as your people begin to proclaim and profess that Jesus Christ is Lord over all creation and that by your blood you have defeated your greatest enemy, Satan himself, and you have given us power over all the enemy to walk on them and to trample them under our feet. And Lord, as your people are sitting here today, 
They need to know what's going on in Ephesus. They need to know what happened there. And so, Lord Jesus, as your name is proclaimed, as you are exalted to the highest height and fathers glorified, Lord, speak to your people by your spirit and help them see right now that there's a real battle going on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, as we start out in the text, you're going to see some wonderful things come together. You're going to see God send people to help Paul. And it's no coincidence that these things are happening. Okay? A lot of times when we see people expelled from places or things go bad and people leave one place and go to another and they come together with certain people, then out of all that bad destruction, all that calamity, all the trials and tribulation that they go through, out of that is birthed something by God so beautiful, something so amazing, something so powerful that the devil can't stand it. And what you're having here, let's look at the text, Acts chapter 19. Paul is going to be heading to Ephesus. So, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Remember now, Corinth was almost like Athens. Idols everywhere. So Apollos is left there. Okay, to continue on the gospel. That Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. Otherwise, what do you mean by upper regions? Everybody look at me. If you were looking at a map, you would see the Adrian Sea, and you would see down here the Mediterranean Sea. And see how my hands are together? Like this? This would be Greece. This would be current down here in Athens. Paul is now going back up this way. Go by Thessalonica and Philippi, the upper cities of Greece. Okay? And he will go this way, and he's back in Turkey. Otherwise, he's back in Asia. And he land at the seaport city called Ephesus. Ephesus is a metropolis. Everything happens in Ephesus. Because why? Because they had access to all these rivers and all this, that sea there. Sailors come from all over the world to Athens. It was a, it was a big trade area. And so it's kind of like Las Vegas, but with New York mar you know, market exchange. It had the business world along with the lust and stuff, you know, mixed together. That's Ephesus. With a mixture of Athens, with all the demon spirits, all the out of worship, all that together. Now, you got a mess on your hand. Amen. Are you listening to me now? Amen. And so, if you notice, the Holy Spirit intentionally sends this man by way, and he's leaving others in place to protect the church that was just birthed in those cities. And so now he's going on up and he's making that turn. And God is gaining new territory as his brother's going. And now he's rooted in the big city of Ephesus. It's a different culture now. It's a different world. It's a different world. Okay? So he's there. And by the way, just in case you think that God don't like Ephesus, Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation sends a special letter to the people of Ephesus. It's the first letter. And these people of Ephesus for years would do a marvelous work for the Lord Jesus Christ. 
considering their surroundings. So just because you're in an area that's plagued with sin and doesn't seem like anybody care about God, the church in Ephesus did. And people was being saved. Amen. Are y'all hearing me? Amen. In Jesus' name, people were being saved. Hallelujah. And you can see that as in probably somewhere around A.D. 94, 96, with John write the book of Revelation, that Jesus Christ mentions Ephesus. Now, right now, it's around A.D. 60. So nearly 35 years into the future, Ephesus, the church in Ephesus is still going. It is still growing. And the Lord Jesus Christ is concerned about it. Read the story over in Revelation chapter 2. And you'll see what Jesus says to him. He said, you're doing a good work. But it's one thing you got so caught up in church business that you forgot about me. You see, you forgot about loving me. But go back and do the first work. That is, go back and love me. A lot of times we get so caught up in here, we forget to stop and do what? Love Jesus. We do. We pass our food at times. I can sell it. We haven't taught the kids in a while. And Deacon always say, Pastor, we can't forget why this ministry will birth. What's that? Children. Teach children about Jesus. Okay? Now we're going to be relocating to a place where they're going to be having football games and cars going to be parked all along 441 and boy, you're going to have a ball. That's right. Mm -hmm. Sharing Jesus with other kids and adults. That's right. Because they're going to flood that area during football season. Am I right? Soccer. And soccer. And yes, Brother Amelia, let me tell you, there, there, there's, a, there's a work for you. There's a work for you. There's a huge Spanish population that comes and plays soccer there. And that language that you speak that the rest of us can't, there's a work for you. And me and Deacon Kling going to be going behind your patch. Yeah, you go for it in Jesus' name. And we don't know what you're saying. But the Holy Ghost will. And so listen, Ephesus, this is different. This is different. you never done church like this before. Okay? So, Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you notice that? He found what? A handful of church people. Because remember, a nation is born by one baby at a time. Remember, Israel began with one baby, and his name was what? Isaac. And then Isaac had twins. And one of the twins, Jacob, had 12. Called the 12 tribes of Israel. And next thing we know, there's a whole nation of them down in Egypt. Amen? Amen. So it just takes one. And then a nation can begin. That's what you see here. Watch what the Lord does. So he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? No. These people are seeking. What did they believe in? 
Somehow the word had gotten all the way from Israel, from the Jordan River where John the Baptist was baptizing, and it had traveled all the way to Ephesus for them to believe in the one true God and to repent of their sins. Because that's what John was baptizing. He was preaching. He said, repent. Repent of your sins for the kingdom of God is right now. And that's all they knew. That was good enough for them. But yet, the best was yet to come. They, they had known about Jesus. They had not known, Mr. David, that Jesus had came and preached the heavenly gospel of the good news of God to save men, had died on the cross for their sins, and that God had raised them from the dead, and that Jesus had gone back to heaven. They didn't know about him. So Paul said, well, then who were you baptized in? Watch what they say. Watch, watch what happens here. This is amazing. So he said to them, we, I mean, they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We, we don't know that the day of Pentecost occurred. We don't know what happened on that day in Jerusalem. That the spirit of the living God came in and 120 people were filled with the spirit of God and began to speak in tongues. So we didn't know about that. And the word tongues mean language. The Greek word is glasso. It don't mean a, an unknown language like some people like to mutter. It means to speak in a language that someone understands. Okay? They said, we don't, we don't even, there's a Holy Spirit? You mean there's a spirit different than all these other spirit? They know about the spirit world. Ephesus knew about the spirit world, just like the folks in Africa knows about the spirit world. Okay? Just so folks in the United States are really ignorant about the spirit world. People, kids, look at me. There's another world out there that you and I can't see with our human eyes. It exists just like you and me do. As Michaela's sitting to your left, there's a spirit world. And there are real spirits but they don't belong to God. They're bad ones. And they're, they're called demons. They do exist. They belong to and they, they exist for the purpose of hurting you and me. To destroy us. But God, who's also a spirit, that world in which we cannot see. God sits on his big throne. He's the one that created everything. He's the one that sent his son Jesus as a spirit. Jesus came down by the Holy Spirit as a spirit from heaven and became a human like you and me. So people were able to look at him, touch him, feel him, and talk to him, eat with him, walk with him, watch him heal people. So he knew what demons were because he see them. They couldn't hide from him and they also knew who he was because they saw him. They knew him. They knew him before they went bad. They were some of the angels that worship around the throne of God. They were there, Mr. David. So boys and girls, this world called the spirit world that you cannot see with your human eyes is a real world. Just as, reach over and pinch your daddy. Okay? He better not hit you. Now, he's real, isn't he? Isn't your daddy real, Kobe? Yeah. So is those spirits. They sit next to each other all around and they go all over the place harassing the human race. Okay? They're very real. Are y'all following me now? Yep. Everybody with me? 
Ephesus is a stronghold. What I mean by stronghold, boys and girls, here it is. That means there are literally millions upon millions of demons in Ephesus. And some of these demons, one person can have thousands of spirits, demon spirits living in them. We see that from the book of Luke when Jesus cast the demon out of the man at Gadara. Okay? He's known in scriptures to do, we call him demoniac because there were many demons in him. And they saw Jesus coming and they start shaking. <laughs> they ask him, have you come to cast us into the abyss? They knew him. So now Jesus has his servant Paul there. And Paul is carrying the same power as Jesus because Jesus by the Holy Spirit gave it to him. For the sole purpose to go and make God and Jesus' name known. Okay? So watch what happens here. So there's a body of believers there, but they don't know Jesus yet. Do you hear me? Everybody with me? So they said to him, we will baptize into John's baptism. With, baptize with the baptism of repentance. Otherwise, we knew we had to change. Okay? We knew we had to stop sinning against God. <laughs> saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him that is on Christ Jesus so the name they were familiar but they didn't know any of Jesus works they didn't even know that Lord Jesus had died and rose from the dead they didn't know that so Paul graciously by the Holy Spirit takes his time with this group of believers when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke with what? And they spoke with what? They spoke with what? That's it. Every place we read in the book of Acts in this preaching series, every time someone was filled with the Holy Ghost, they spoke with what? Tongue. Tongue. Not a mumbling that nobody understand, but they spoke in a language in which people could understand. All right? So they spoke with tongues and prophesied. What does that mean? It's not necessarily that they were telling the future. They were telling what God had done for them. Wait a minute. These people who just got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to tell people what God had done? Yes, they were. But it was a supernatural ability given to them by the Holy Spirit. They couldn't do it on their own. What do you think? Why do you think the Holy Ghost did this? Didn't y'all sing a song that's power in the name of who? Jesus. And then you sent a little course line there that there's an army, what? Rising. Huh? An army doing what? Rising. What do you think just happened? <laughs> An army did what? Rising. Oh, glory to God. Yes, it did. I don't even have a microphone on. <laughs> They rose up. God raised an army. When the Holy Spirit went in these people, an army was raised up. For what? They're there in the stronghold of Satan in Ephesus. And God raised up a little bitty army to take on a great big army of demons. Oh, you're hearing me. What do you think you're here today? For Jesus. So that God can raise you up. 
to go out and face an army of demons and people and tell them the truth about Jesus so that that wickedness can be released from them by the blood of Jesus. And they become sons and daughters of God through Jesus Christ and immediately they join the army of Christ. Immediately. And then they join the ranks, Shelley, and they go to battle. They don't have to be instructed in spiritual warfare. The spirit will lead you into spiritual warfare. And it's a real battle. And it's a battle that's going to go on until Jesus returns. You never stop fighting, Mr. David. The moment they close the casket on you, another sink has taken your place and continues in the battle. But y'all hear me. So God raised up this army in Ephesus. And now what was happening? They said, now the men were about how many? Twelve. Twelve. Ephesus has a million people. But that's a big odd, isn't it? Twelve against a million? Guess what? When the Holy Ghost came to the earth, he was one and still is. Well, he's the spirit of God and he faced every demon on earth. You think they bothered him? No, no, no. They didn't even come near him. When Jesus came, the only reason why he was allowed that enemy to come near him because he was in human flesh. And he thought, uh-oh, I'm going to destroy him. He's a human now. But little did he know, Jesus doesn't change because he take on human flesh. Amen? Amen. And he stood against the greatest opponent of God face to face. And he defeated him. Amen. Verse 8, and he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way. Did you see that? You were not called Christians then. You were called what? The way. The way. So they're bad-mouthing the children of Christ. They're bad-mouthing Jesus. What do you think going on right now, Crystal? The war has what? Begun. Are you hearing me? The battle has begun. So they spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples. Paul said, you're 12? Let's go. Let's get out of here. Because there are times... You're not running from the devil, people. You're leaving him to his own demise. When they refuse to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, don't waste your time. I've told people over and over again, they don't want to hear it, walk away. Because on the day of judgment, they're going to wish they had. You don't have to stand there and plead with people. Oh, please give your life to Jesus. No. Did you ever see Jesus do that with somebody? No. No. He gave them the gospel and he walked away. Did you see Paul pleading with them? No. He, he taught them. 
He told them, he explained to them, made it simple so they can understand it, and they still refused. Even as the Holy Spirit was moving in their presence, they still refused to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul said, all right, boys, let's pack up. We're out of here. Then what happened? So they left there, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannius. Uh-oh. They done went and found someone else who has a school. You see, when the enemy thinks he has you back against the wall, God always has a door open somewhere else. Are you hearing me? Just when you think you can't preach this gospel anymore, God always got another opportunity somewhere else. Sometime if my wife was telling me, Sammy, maybe it's time to close the doors on certain things. And, I, and I'm stubborn and don't want to hear it always. But sometimes God does say, pack it up, son. Move out. And I'll show you where I want you to go. Amen? Amen. And here, it said, and this continued for how long? For how long? What does that mean to you and me? That means for two years, the gospel was being preached and taught in Ephesus. The longest place that Paul had ever stayed preaching and teaching the gospel. And a place that was strongly controlled by demons. Okay? So he was there for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Both Jews and what? Greeks. Both Jews and who? Greeks. Greeks. That man went to everybody. Now I got to say something here. There's a young man sitting here don't realize a gift that the Holy Ghost had given him. I want to point that gift out today. And I don't care if it's embarrassing or not. Because the gift still exists. There's a young man by the name of R.V. have no problem approaching strangers. And he's very smooth with his dialogue with them. I watched him in action Thursday night. And let me tell you, this young man have the gift of evangelism already and don't even know it. And it is our responsibility to help him Strengthen that gift. He has ability to explain things to people in a non-threatening, non-offending manner. Amen. And I watched him. And then he wanted to get, get to that side. I'm not going back. I said, boy, you don't get your butt out of here and get over there to that house. He has a gift. And you know what I told them in that car? I said, y'all, look at this. You see how easy it is for us to go pass out these flyers? That's how easy it is to share the gospel. And we're going to start doing it. And we're going to use your van. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't God good? <laughs> and you watch people come to Christ. Because we got a bunch of teenagers that showed me Thursday night that they are not afraid to talk to strangers. They just come in here and play basketball. Mm -hmm, I know your game now. It's on now. And I got a good driver. Even if I have to thumper, I got a good driver. Amen? So Ephesus. What's going on in Ephesus? Uh-oh. Things are beginning to happen. The spirit world is angry. Hello? 
Not your friends. Can't call on Facebook and Twitter. Do, ah, Snapchat. Here it is. Okay? Not your friends. A real battle is about to take place. And we're about to see some stuff now. Are y'all ready for this? Y'all didn't know I could be a comedian, did you? <laughs> Watch what God is doing. So, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. What does that mean? Unusual miracles. What does that mean? It does not fit your framework of miracles, Mr. David. It does not look the way you think miracles should look. Okay? It's not putting anointing oil on somebody's head and then watch the body heal right in front of you. It's not saying uh, you demon spirit come out of that person. Okay? This is the usual type in which miracles happen. Alright? This is different. God don't have to work the way you want him to work. God works the way he wants to work. And if you got a problem with that, take it up with him. Amen? Watch what happens. So now God worked unusual miracle by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the disease left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Whoa! Nobody laid hands on them. The anointing of the Holy Spirit was in the handkerchief and in the apron. And when the anointing touched those spirits, they had to get out. Oh, Y'all hear me? The sickness and the diseases had to come out of the people. Unusual miracles. Amen? So if God is calling you to do something, don't think about what somebody else is going to think, how this is going to look. If God tells you to go and get some dirt off the ground, spit in it, and put it on somebody's eyes, and you step back and watch the Holy Ghost heal them, then you do it. Don't care what the newspaper says. Oh, woman spit in another man's eyes, and all of a sudden he sees. What is this? Don't let them make a mockery of Jesus. Okay? Messed up my glasses on that one. <laughs> Are y'all getting this? Ephesus is a mess, isn't it? It is not the usual ball game. Okay? It is not the normalcy of church. This is different. Father, in the name of Jesus, strengthen Brother Million right now. Strengthen, Lord. Strengthen his heart in the name of Jesus. Look, look. So the evil spirit went out of them. Then some of the uh, itinerant Jews, exorcists, here's another thing that y'all need to understand here. Took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, let me stop here for a minute. Uh, listen, you can't play church with God. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, the demons will know that you don't know him. So don't go out there messing with demon spirits and you don't know what you're talking about. Because this is what's happening. These men was messing with something that they had no idea. If you're not saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, don't go mucking around with demon spirits. 
because you're going to get yourself in trouble. This is a real battle. Didn't I tell y'all Ephesus was different? Here you actually see the demon causing physical harm to humans. I told y'all this stuff is real. So they said to the, this demon-possessed man, we exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Did you get that? We exercise you by the name of this Jesus who Paul preaches. They did not have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They only heard about him. So they thought they could go and do the same thing Paul did. But they did not know who they were messing with. Watch what happens, Maurice Nelson. When you're playing with fire, you will get burned. Unless you've been trained how to handle the fire. The Holy Spirit is also the fire of God. He knows how to handle demons. You don't. You don't. You don't know how, if you're not born again, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not filled with the Word, you're not prayed up and fasted up, don't go messing with them. I've confronted them time and time again. I'm not afraid of them. <coughs> I know what my Jesus does through me right. against them. Amen? Amen. I've dealt with them in the prison when I was a volunteer chaplain. She'll tell you, I was a volunteer chaplain for five years in, in South Carolina State Prison. I used to go into prison, and let me tell you, them demons would be raging. But I also know the power of Jesus. Amen. And watch him conquer them. One day we was in the prison preaching, and a good friend of mine, my wife, them knowing, John Barrett, he was standing alongside us. We were students in seminary, but I was also still a volunteer chaplain. Had been before I went to seminary. And we're standing there. All of a sudden, the demons begin to rage. And I can hear them speaking. And then some of the inmates took toilet paper and they made pee balls this size. Ugh. Peed in the toilet, took the toilet paper, made big old like a softball. And were throwing them through the bars, hitting us. And John got scared. And I looked at John and said, John, don't be afraid. I said, remember our Lord Jesus hanging on the cross. How much pain he was in. But yet he didn't come down. I said, John, remember that. This is nothing. I said, now watch the power of God work. And we kept on preaching, and the Holy Ghost took control of that cell block. It was like in a, in a V configuration, or, or U, I guess you would say. And all of a sudden, matter of fact, one inmate to the left, the demons were raging through him. And he was calling us every name except for a child of God. Are y'all hearing me? We had walked into Satan's cell block. Do y'all know what happened? An hour later, nine of those men were calling on the name of Jesus. Are you hearing me? Nine inmates, and one of them was one of the ones that was cussing us out. That got saved. 
Because the power of Jesus is greater than the power of Satan. Amen. The blood of Jesus is more powerful than a pea ball. Amen. So we can sit back and go, I can't go there. They're nasty down there. Uh-uh, let me tell you. you. You realize what Jesus faced when he was here? You and I are no different. That same John Barrett, he and I, just the two of us, on the cell block. Another time, different cell block. No sooner we walk in, they start cussing us out. Man, that's 5-0, that's 5-0. Because you know I had that clean military haircut when I had hair. And I'm, I'm walking in and, and don't listen to her. Praise God. They would go in, and boy, they are raging. They are fiery mad. Boy, they're like fiance. Boy, they, they just wanted to get a hold of us. And then one of them recognized that Jesus in me. He hit the other and said, stop. And I said, what? He said, aren't you that chaplain? And I go, yes. They said, man, that's not 5-0. You just cussed the preacher out. <laughs> and then it changed the atmosphere changed it's amazing how God does that Amen. the atmosphere changed it's all of a sudden they started crying and said preacher we didn't go to church today can somebody preach to us <laughs> and I looked at John I said you do it he looked at me and said you do it at the same time <laughs> I said no brother you need more experience <laughs> and John said no you got the experience so I said, okay. So I started, I started preaching, and let me tell you all what happened. Because that cell block was Ephesus. Okay? What Paul them had walked into, we had walked in in the 21st century. Do y'all hear me? And when we went in there and we began to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ, and no boys can sing too. And as we began to preach the gospel, chains fell off. Chains fell off these inmates. These boys were on their way to different prisons. Uh, the facility where we were was a transition facility. They go there for six weeks and then they're sent out to the, to the prison they're going to be in. So they mix them all together. You have all kinds of folks in that one. And so we're there. And, and, and you know what happened? The Holy Ghost is so good. The Holy Spirit came in there. And boy, them boys started magnifying the Lord as I was preaching. And then next thing, John and I knew, the hands were through the bars. Those men had grabbed hands and locked their hands together and began to sing a gospel song that they wrote. And they began to magnify the Lord. And the entire cell block got saved. Tell me God ain't good. The whole cell block got saved. And when we walked... Got ready to leave. The man said, can we sing y'all a song? And we said, oh yeah, sing a song to the Lord. And they said, we wrote it. I said, okay. And it was one of the most beautiful gospel songs I had ever heard. And they were singing an acapella. And then they started swaying back and forth in their sails. Y'all know the move. And after a while, tears were just flowing like a river. 
And you can feel the glory of God came in as he took sons into his bosom. And their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life instantaneously. And you know what else? John looked at me, he said, what do we do now? I said, we do nothing. This is all God. Let's just walk out. And we did. Folks, I have seen the victory of Jesus over the forces of darkness. Amen. I witnessed it time and time and time again. So I know what I'm talking about. Okay? Is everybody with me? Are y'all understanding this? Yep. Isn't this awesome? Yes. Say yes, young evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> and so, here we have it, deacons. Ephesus. Different than all the other cities Paul been to. Demons are raging. Things are going on. Powerful demon generals have showed up. Because don't you know, my brother, that when a man of God who walks in the spirit of God, when he or a woman, when he or she shows up, the devil send the big boys out. Are y'all hearing me? And you all don't even know it unless you've been given the, the gift from the Holy Ghost called what? What is one of the spiritual gifts Paul wrote about? Discerning of what? Spirits. In other words, you have the gift to know that they're present and what they're doing. That's one of the gifts the Holy Spirit gave me. So I know when they're present. And so when you show up, they show up. But the difference is, you got something else. We're going to see what that is. Watch what happens. Okay? So these men, they're trying to make a mockery and an earning. They're trying to make a name also for themselves. Can you imagine if they were able to cast these demons out and not knowing Jesus by his name? Let me clarify something to you real quick. There are witches and all. There are sorcerers and all. There are high priests of Satan who do destroy lesser demons if they have messed up or to show power over certain regions. They fight among themselves. Are y'all aware of that? Now, so they get in these, 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 these warlock type battles. And it's not something from a mystery novel either that you're reading. This stuff is real. So they thought that they can just go and have power over these demon spirits. Watch what happens. So also there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. So these boys, they thought, oh, we're the sons of the chief priest. We can do this. All right? We got some clock because our daddy is a chief priest. Okay? Our daddy one of the big boys in the synagogue. So we can just scud on down here and take care of some demons. Because they had to know they exist, right? Uh-huh. But they got the wrong kind of spirit. What's happening here? And the evil spirit answered. Are y'all hearing me? I need you up here. 
The evil spirit talked and they heard the spirit speaking. Folks, I've saw exorcism take place where men of God are speaking to demons and the demons speak back. I dealt with demon spirits sitting right in a chair in front of me as I'm talking to the man and giving commands to the spirit and the spirit obey in Jesus' name. And it's not the Jesus that I think he knew, but it's the Jesus I know. And the demon obeyed. Are you hearing me? I can tell that story later. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. See, when you're walking in the spirit, the Holy Spirit of the living God, and you got the Holy Ghost in you, the demon going to say, I know him. I'm not going to mess with him. I'm not going to mess with her. Because who in you? Not because you are some very powerful human all by yourself. It's because the Spirit of God is living in you. Amen. And you carry the name of Jesus. You carry all the power of heaven when you got Jesus living in you. Amen. Amen. And so here we have it. So the demon, he's talking trash. Jesus I know and Paul I know. But who are you? They just got called out, didn't they? Who are you? You don't get up in my face. Who are you? You don't think hell won't do that to you? Don't go messing with stuff that you, you're not familiar with. Don't go try to fight certain battles that you're not equipped for. Okay? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them. The demon said, get them. Are you hearing me? Everybody, your teenagers hear me? That demon-possessed man, the demons inside him told him to jump on those seven men. One man! Demon-possessed. Jumped on seven other men. Well, what happened? That seven men should have been able to whip his butt, right? Watch this. Overpowered them and prevailed against them. Otherwise, he whipped their behinds. Are you seeing that? That demon spirit whipped their butts. Prevailed against them so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. He ripped their clothes off. And they had to run out like this. With their shame too. And hurt. I'm not advocating that the forces of darkness is greater than us. I'm advocating that if you don't know Jesus, they're greater than you. But if Jesus is living on the inside, they can't do nothing but know your name. Because what did they do with Paul? They said, Jesus we know and Paul we know. They didn't go jump on Paul, did they? They knew about him. <laughs> Y'all don't go mess with him. Oh yeah, they try. Don't get me wrong, they try. But they put these people in their place, didn't they? All right, we'll go a little bit longer. 
This became known both to all the Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. Hey, if you're keeping a score, one for the demons. One for the demons, others, zero. But Paul had all the numbers because of Jesus. All the battles were won because of Jesus. And then, can you imagine being those seven men when the word got out what happened to you? They couldn't show their face in public. You imagine that, Harvey? Somebody said, Harvey got his butt whipped and got his clothes ripped off of him by a demon. That man tore him up. And Harvey won't go in that part of the neighborhood again. Eventually, they'll get their dignity back. But it'll take a while, wouldn't it? So this became well known. And fear fell on all of them. You, do you see what just happened? Whoever cast some rubber bands need to stop this. In Jesus' name, you're in church. Don't play with God like that. One of you kids. Now, what's happening now? The enemy has just caused great fear to fall upon Ephesus. Because that's what the enemy does. Terrorists do the same thing. They wreak havoc in a certain area so that fear can fall upon everybody. But if you're a man of God and woman of God, it won't happen to you. That fear is not going to enter you. So, what's going to happen now, deacons? Two deacons in here and great man of God sitting here that can play like an angel? What's going to happen now, you brothers? Now that the whole community is scared? What now? Do you pack up and move? Folks, that's when we go to work. That's when we do something that Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 6. And you know what that is? That's when we put on the armor of God. When the gates of hell open up against you and the minor armies of hell are marching against you, it's now time to suit up, Carlton. It's not time to be a coward, Emily. It's time to put on the battle gear. And it's time, Crystal, to go to war. And it's when you mount up and put on the armor of God, it's time to tell that demon, bring it on. And you tell him too, that if you don't bring it to me, I'm going to bring it to you. Because the battle is on. And I'm coming like David did. David, the entire army of Israel was afraid. But don't you know David had the Holy Spirit in him? Mm -hmm. And when that giant stood against him, David told that giant, he said, I'm bringing the battle to you in the name of the God of Israel. And he took it to him. And the Holy Ghost and David did what? Gave him the strength to fire that stone that cracked open that giant skull. And he hit the ground dead. And David, having supernatural strength of the Holy Ghost, picked that sword up and cut that giant's head off and held it up. That was a victory shout right there from Jesus. 
Instead of having a sword like Goliath that David held, we got a sword called Jesus, the name of Jesus. It's time to mine up. Put on the battle gear, Arve. You can't get mad and sit down and say, I'm not going now. I'm tired. Do you think demons get tired of attacking you? They don't get tired, people. Ephesus shows us a new dimension of the spirit world. This time, they attack where everybody could see. And they spoke where people could hear. They let them know that they, were, they had arrived, Crystal. The demons let people know that they're real and that they're boisterous and they're not afraid to attack you. But God's people must be equally brave. Put on the armor of God from the feet all the way to the top of the head. And you put it on, take on the shield of faith. The other word, you can't be afraid. I know God's going to see us through this. And then you take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you stand still and you don't run like a coward. I've been in combat and I had a soldier. My, one of my staff started, my first squad leader, because of fear froze up and couldn't lead his squad in battle. And I had to relieve him of duty on the battlefield and lead his squad while leading my entire platoon. So I made him my driver. So you sit your butt over there and you drive. Say, so you're blessed I don't take my pistol and shoot you right now, being a coward. I said, all of us are scared. That's what I told him. So I'm scared. But God's going to see us through it. God don't like cowards. Are you hearing me? And what just happened in Ephesus? Great fear fell upon all of the town. The word spread it fast. But God got some saints. Jesus got some soldiers that were not about to run. You hear me? Isn't that what you've been saying to me? So, uh-uh, we're going forward. Isn't that what you've been saying? Isn't that what Vicky been preaching? So we're going forward. We're going to get this new place. Isn't that what you've been saying, sweetheart? We're going forward. And I'm wondering, why is my wife emptying the freezer and packing up everything? She's getting ready. She's getting ready to move. We are moving forward. We're not moving backwards. Amen. We're moving forward. Okay? And sometimes you have to slap the lead upside the head and say, wake up. Let's, let's go. Time, time to move out. You better hit me, girl. It's time to move out. Amen? It's time to move. And so... What's happening here, it says in verse 18, and many who have believed came confessing and did what? And telling their deeds. That means Pauldom is now at work. Because they're telling what kind of activities they've been involved in. Witchcraft. Sorcery. Fortune telling. Soothsayers, necromancers, remember that word? Mediums, you name it. 
They've been involved in it. The word musician comes from the Greek word that means sorcery. Y'all think musicians are the cool thing. It's got an evil root to it. The word musician in Greek means sorcerer. Not, not musician. Magician. The one that like to get the magic going and y'all go, ooh, look at that. Study at roots. And you run away from it. At least you should. What's going on now? Also, many of those who have practiced magic. There it is. The preacher didn't make it up. Read it yourself. Acts chapter 19, verse 19. You can't miss it. 1919. Also, many of those who practice magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. Why? Because it has its roots in demonic worship. And they no longer wanted anything to do with it once they heard of the one true God and his son Jesus. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a lot of money. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Oh boy, Paul had how many brothers get saved in Ephesus that didn't know about the Holy Ghost? How many it was? Twelve. And twelve went to work along Paul. And they began to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people began to get saved and came out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. But what y'all didn't know, the demons weren't finished. The demons were not finished. They were angry at those who got saved, Brother David. They were angry. So here's what happened, everybody. Those who were not saved began to conjure up spells and send these demon spirits and these spells at the Christians. The new believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus is so powerful. In verse uh, chapter 6, starting in verse 10, for we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against rulers and you know, darkness and spiritual high places. Okay? And it says, now this is what you got to understand, uh, Emily. You can sit there and wrestle with Emma all day long. That's flesh and blood. But you can't wrestle with a demon spirit because you can't see it. But it's slapping you upside the head. You go, oh, where did that come from? Kick in the sand. Oh, my God, what? where did that come from? And you're trying to fight something that you can't see or touch with your human hands. Because you're not fighting against flesh and blood like Emma. Y'all understanding me? So what do you do? 
you put on the whole armor of God. He said, first, the first thing first, you must believe God. And the power of his what? Of his might. You must believe God. You must believe in the power of God. In Jesus' name. And when you've done all that you can do, and the battles are still coming against you from the spirit world, he said, stand still. Don't run. Because that's what they want. Because while you're running, they'll shoot you in the back. Okay? So you stand still, everybody. Stand. After having done everything, deacon, you stand. That means you're living a righteous, victorious life in Christ. You stand still and put on the whole armor of God. Having your feet shown with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's that? That's the word of God. Having your lungs covered about with the truth. What's that? Living the word of God. God's word is true. Jesus tells us that in John chapter 17, verse 17. He says, sanctify them in your truth for your word is truth. Okay. Then next thing, put on the breastplate of righteousness. In other words, you got to cover these vital organs so that you don't get penetrated in the heart. And die. The breastplate of righteousness means you're not living a manipulated life. What people see you do in the daytime, that's what you do at night in the private. Then it says, put on the helmet of salvation. Let me tell you, I don't care how powerful your muscles may be. Somebody knock you upside your listening pole, you're going down. Okay? He said, protected by being saved. Because there was a demonstration with the seven sons of Scavia, right? They weren't saved, so they couldn't put on the helmet of salvation. And so the demon did what? He wounded them. And he embarrassed the mess out of them. All right? So the first key is that you got to get saved. And then he says, take the shield of faith. I mean, you got to believe what the word of God says. You got to believe. Even when the odds are against you, you have to believe. You can't lose hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter what the odds look like. I told you about the first president of the United States before he became the president of the United States, did. George Washington. The red, red coats, the British Army, was more, had outnumbered them. Well equipped, well trained. New battle strategies. George Washington had an army of militias, volunteers, wearing whatever they could, fighting with their own weapons that they had purchased. They didn't have a government to buy and issue them weapons and uniforms. And wasn't very well trained. They had to get this thing together quickly. And you know what? George Washington was a man of God. He walked away from his men and went down on his knees, took off his hat, and he called on the name of the Lord. You know what happened that winter? You know what happened, don't you? Because you're from New England. Y'all know the story well, don't you? God gave George Washington and the Continental Army the victory over their enemies. Amen? So if God does that for you in the natural, 
Because one man was spiritual enough in Christ to know who to call upon. What is he going to do for you when you call upon the name of the Lord? God's going to come to your rescue. He's going to give you what you need to fight these battles that you can't see. To fight these enemies that you know they're there. Y'all remember the story over in 2 Kings about Elijah, the prophet Elijah? Not Elijah. The prophet Elijah came and told his master Elijah. He said, the enemy got the city surrounded. There's no way out, master. <laughs> and you know what Elijah did? Elijah said, Lord, I pray that you open his eyes to see that your army is greater than theirs. And immediately, the eyes of that young man were open to the spirit world. And he seen thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels in chariots of fire surrounding the city. Now, who army was greater? Y'all know the battle about Jehoshaphat in Second Kings, I mean Second Chronicles chapter 20, where the three nations came against him. And God said, you don't have to fight in this battle. The battle is not yours, but mine. And guess what happened in the spirit world? God called those angels to turn those soldiers against each other. And all three armies killed each other. Now the man was left. And Gideon started out with, I think, something like 17,000 men and ended up, God said too many, ended up with 300 against thousands of Midianites. And they didn't even have weapons. Did you know that? They didn't have weapons. They had lamps with a candle in it. And they ran with clubs in their hands, shouting the sword of Gideon. And then they hit and broke those. And guess what happened? When they broke those pitches, shouting the sword of Gideon. Do you know what happened? The angels of God went to work on the enemy. And they turned on themselves and killed each other. Look at God. You think he changed? No. Paul said, wait a minute. We don't fight against flesh and blood. But the moment we suit up on earth and put on this heavenly battle gear, the angels of God mount up. Hello. The angels of God mounts up and begin to fight this battle that you and I don't see. And the enemy get taken for casualties. Casualties in the enemy's camp are falling all over the place. Paul knew this. And that's why that demon said, Jesus we know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Because when Paul walked there, Paul kept his armor on. He never pulled it off. And the enemy saw that, that armor. So that's Paul. <laughs> that's Paul. Paul just showed up, everybody. And they dared not fight him. And those that tried knew the moment that Paul called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, here come Michael and all them. Faster than the speed of light on the battlefield in the spirit world. And they begin to kick some demon butts. Are y'all getting this now? I know, it's just not 10 minutes to 12, everybody. Why y'all going to sleep now? I'm messing with you. You're not going to sleep. God bless you. We're about finished here. We'll finish the rest of this next week. But do understand this. 
Saying many who had believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And of course, and they added these things up, and it was a great amount. And next week, we'll look at the rest of this and see how things go sour in, in Ephesus for a little while. But you will also see where God will use a husband and wife team named Priscilla and Aquila and later a brother that's coming named Apollos. Mighty in speech. Very, very deep in human logic and reasoning. That's the kind of guy that you want to use as we call a, a Christian apologetist. Anybody know what that is? That's a someone who defends the gospel of Jesus Christ against people around the world. Like atheists, these high powerful atheists that's very, very intelligent. People like uh, Rabbi, I mean, Rabbi Zachariah. Anybody ever heard of him? I had the privilege of listening to him in person and I had to evaluate his preaching. And uh, as I'm going through the evaluation sheet, I threw my pen down and said, who can understand this man without having a dictionary of thesaurus? I'm in my doctoral studies. And I just, I looked at some of my class and I said, can y'all follow him? And they looked at me and go, I said, me either. How in the world can we evaluate him? Because we had to evaluate all the preachers that week. That week when I stayed with Michael in Jacksonville. Um, you got guys like Robert Zachariah that live to defend Jesus. And they go against the greatest minds in the world. This guy does. I mean, he is a genius. Born in, it sounds like when they were describing Apollos. And yeah, and that's exactly what it is. Apollos says, I mean, Luke wrote about it. Now, Luke is the doctor. He's a physician. He's no dummy. And he tells him, we're going to see this next week. And he's going to tell us about Apollos. Once he get filled with the Holy Ghost, this man was something else. I mean, he knew the Hebrew scriptures inside out. Born in Alexander, Egypt, not Israel. Came and joined Paul's team, missionary team. And now he's going to go against some of the finest atheists in the world, if there's such a thing. Shall I say the greatest minds of atheists? I don't know how to put it, but anyway. Paul is something else. And he deals with them. And the Jews who call themselves very high-minded Jews, very powerful-minded Jews. Paul is going to deal with them. Because he's a Jew, but he was born outside of Israel. But he know the one true God. And when they showed him what Jesus had lined up from the scriptures, that he's the Messiah, that's all Apollos needed. And he's coming with a mighty hand to defend Jesus. It's the kind of guy, brother, we need on our side. I can't defend the gospel like Apollos could. Or Robert Zacharias. Woo! And uh, there's another, another preacher, and we'll close with this thought, that's absolutely the same way here in these United States too. Chuck Swindle. Anybody ever heard of Chuck Swindle or Charles Swindle? Genius. And uh, again, we didn't get a chance to meet Chuck. So he came on, on telecast and talked to us. And they awarded him. And they had his sister talking about how when he was growing up, um, how smart he was. This man has got to be one of the top minds in the 21st century, Charles Swindle. And once again, I couldn't sit in any of his services because I'm not smart enough. <laughs> I just... Maybe now, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but Anyway, the Holy Spirit is awesome in this place, isn't he? Isn't he wonderful? Do y'all see how Ephesus was different? 
You see that, Mr. David? Uh, the church hadn't faced anything like this before. For demons to come out boldly and attack people. And speak where people can understand them. They do know how to speak your language, by the way. You know that, right? Demons do know every language on earth. Are y'all worried that there's no language barrier with them? Only humans have that language barrier. Demons don't. Just like angels don't. Angels know every language on earth. And so, but Jesus, let me close this out with this. We're getting ready to go. Because we've got to go to the other building and meet the owner. He's going, we're going to do a walkthrough today at 1230. Jesus, there's a man on earth. There was not one like him on earth. And Satan knew that. The day, the night in which Jesus was born, God would let any demon near his baby. Not one demon got near that stable in Bethlehem. Are you hearing me? Angels were everywhere. You do know that, right? And they showed up to the men in the field, those shepherds. They said, he's here. He's here. He just arrived. And they didn't have no idea that the Prince of Glory just came into the world. What does that mean? That boy, you don't know who just showed up. That little bitty baby? Oh, you don't know what's packed in that little baby. <laughs> you have no idea who this baby is. The one that you call little, the, the little infant, he's the one that created all the world and everything in it. Well, that's mind-blowing, isn't it? And this little baby is the same one that grew up on Nazareth Hill. First, the enemy tried to take him out by King Herod, did he not? Oh, we got him now. There he is. Go get him, boys. And God had a plan. Sent him down to Egypt for a little while. God still have, God still have a heart for Egypt. Y'all know that, right? Read in the book of Isaiah. God really do have a heart for Egypt. He's going to revitalize Egypt, but not in the way that Egypt were, once were. But he calls Egypt. He said, Egypt is my child, my son also. Okay? God hadn't forgotten what Egypt did for his son. So Jesus comes back. Grows up in Nazareth. All his little buddies in the neighborhood thought he was just one of them. They had no idea, Matthew, that this same 12-year-old boy was God in the flesh. They didn't know that he knew everything about them before they even came to the earth. They didn't know that. So when he was 12 years old down in Jerusalem talking to the rabbis, when he blew those men away, the Pharisees and Sadducees and all the religious leaders of Israel, when he answered their questions, I mean, they were just like, whoa, who is this kid? Yeah, that's the big question. Who is he? But the demons knew. Because at the age of 30, when he got baptized, listen to me. And the moment he got baptized, God told the world who he was. This is my beloved son, whoo, in whom I'm well pleased. And Satan go, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And the Holy Ghost said, you ready? Let's go. Took him into the wilderness. 
didn't drive him, like some languages say, drove him into the wilderness. No, it didn't work that way. They're a family, they're one. They went together in harmony. You say, you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready. And there the Son of God, whew, for 40 days and 40 nights, did not eat or drink. God was doing something in his human side. Not his spirit side, his spirit is God. And for 40 days and 40 nights, God said, Son, I love you. But you got a test coming. And it's a test that you cannot fail. But as a human, you got to know that your flesh cannot depend on things of the earth. They can't help you. Only I can. So when the tempter came, God had strengthened Jesus' flesh. And there the Son of God, standing alone with God's greatest adversary. So you notice Satan didn't sin, a demon. You notice that? This battle was too huge. The price was too high. Satan did not send a demon. He showed up himself. Because who else going to fight God? That day in that wilderness, everybody, every teenager, look at me. That day, standing in the desert of Judea, is God and the devil face to face. And Satan would take him through every temptation there is. And Jesus, by the word of God, the sword of the Spirit, would defeat him right then. He didn't have to wait to the cross. He did not have to wait to the cross, everybody. He didn't have to wait for the cross. He didn't have to wait for the cross. Because that day showed he already had the victory. And God didn't, God baby didn't let him down. And he went about the cities of Judea preaching. Say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Otherwise, right now, you got to get saved now. Do not harden your hearts in the day of provocation. I mean, baby, you got to be saved right now. Not tomorrow, not this evening, right now. You got to be saved right now. And he began to perform signs and wonders. The first one was the, you know, turning the wine and the, the water and the wine there in Canaan. First one. Next one, raising the son, the widow's son and name from the dead. Bam. Young man, I say to you, rise up. Who do you think was standing back watching all this happen? God. Who do you think was watching all this? The prince of darkness is watching. And his clones are watching. They're waiting. They say, we got to get him. He's making things bad for us. He's making us look bad. But Jesus, he, there was no stopping him. And finally, the enemy had him. It's the night in which he's betrayed. Are y'all listening to this? There's no other way of salvation, folks. Jesus, the Son of God, is the only way. This night in Jerusalem, in that upper room when Jesus was sitting there with his disciples and Judas, one of Satan's very own, you know, Satan planted him there and Jesus knew it the last three years that Judas was one of his. He knew it. He knew it. He knew it. All alone, he kept saying, one of you is a devil. One of you is a devil. 
Did he not read the scriptures? He kept calling them out. But the apostles couldn't understand because the spirit of God was not in them. They couldn't get it. But that night, Satan came for his own. Satan came for his own. He showed up. See, God has a son sitting at the table, and the devil had a son sitting at the table. <laughs> Did y'all see that? Satan came and got his. Yep. So it's time. Time to go and do what I commissioned you to do. We must destroy him. And God had already prepared his son. <laughs> he had already prepared him. He said, yeah. Bring it on. Do what you got to do and do it quickly. But what Satan didn't know? That Jesus was raising up other sons too. Hello. And these sons would later go into Ephesus. And there we see the work of the sons of God by Jesus working in Ephesus. And you know what? And Jesus knew that in the 21st century, he would have sons and daughters just like those sons back in Ephesus. And they're sitting in this room today. Amen. Oh, y'all didn't catch it because you're too tired and ready to go home. <laughs> Did you hear that? God knows that you're not going to turn your back on him. Every now and then he has to spank the bottom to get you going in the right direction. But you haven't turned your back on him. Right. And he knows that in the day of battle you're going to put on the suit and you're going to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Yes. So everybody's standing. Let's go. We get ready to close out. Close us out. Father, we come to you today to thank you for everything you do. Thank you for your protection from demons. To, to thank, thank you for the ability to cast away demons in your name. Yes, Lord. Thank you for everything you do for us. Please touch Brother Amelia back there. Um, he's needing your help in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Right now. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yes. 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 Yes.